Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My only experience with Chinese medicine was in my 20s. From memory, my yoga teacher referred me to a practitioner and it possibly had something to do with feeling depleted. I don't remember a lot. All I remember is a particularly foul concoction that I was supposed to drink and I don't think I finished the entire bottle. Chinese medicine, though, has been around for thousands of years, and it's very different to the usual paths we might take when it comes to health and well-being. Georgina Barrow is a doctor of Chinese medicine and co-founder of Intelligent Health, or HQ, a website that supplies products based on Chinese medicine to support women through pregnancy and birth. Hi, Georgina. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Now, we are going to start at the very beginning. What is Chinese medicine? Chinese medicine is a alternate or complementary medical system to Western medicine. So it's something that's been around for, as you said, thousands of years. So there's a lot of empirical research behind it. Um, and it obviously, as the name sounds, it started in China many, many years ago. And there was a lot of scholars um, throughout different dynasties that became very well versed in medicine at that time. And that was really where the basis of Chinese medicine grew from and became a very popular mode of medicine throughout China and different parts of the world. So something we've embraced fairly newly compared to other parts of the world. And how does one become a doctor of Chinese medicine? Good question. Um, Actually, you do a lot of study. So um, I did a five-year double degree um, in human biology and Chinese medicine. And I also did a hospital internship in China. So, which is a really amazing experience to work in a hospital in China and to be able to combine Western medical knowledge and Chinese medical knowledge um, to be able to diagnose and treat patients. Is that common in China, that having a Chinese medicine as part of the hospital system? Not all hospitals, no, but there are specific hospitals that are set up that integrate it really well. Um, So the benefit of that is that someone comes into you for a fertility concern or even something with pneumonia and you can actually prescribe antibiotics, send them off for x-rays and also prescribe herbs as well at the same time. So it really is an integrated system, which is great. And in China, is it something that's just commonly accepted or is it seen as sort of alternative and ancient medicine and, and they've moved on? It's definitely embedded culturally. There was a lot of change through the Cultural Revolution with Mao in terms of trying to change Chinese medicine the way that Chinese medicine was viewed. So it went out of favour for a little while in China, but it's still culturally very embedded in everything from diet and nutrition and especially through to pregnancy and postpartum so there's still 
a lot of embedded in the culture. In fact, in China, there's 3,000 postnatal care centres which are based on Chinese medicine principles, which um, gives you a view of how it's uh, still considered in China. Now, at the risk of asking you to summarise what took you five years to study, (laughs) um, is Chinese medicine based on any particular philosophy that you're able to articulate? Yeah. Um, Yeah, in in a few sentences. (laughs) Sure. So I guess at the heart of Chinese medicine, it's about a holistic medicine. So in Western medicine, and because I put my Western medicine hat with my biology side, um, we tend to look at things from a symptomatic point of view. So someone will come in with a complaint or a concern and we'll look at it as they've got a migraine, they're infertile. Um, so we very much look at it from a symptomatic point of view. Chinese medicine is a holistic approach. So that word gets bandied around a lot. But what that actually means is we actually look at the whole person and what may be the cause of your infertility versus someone else's infertility is completely different. And so the way in which we treat you is not one size fits all. And um, in that term holistic, when you're looking at the whole body of the person, and the individual themselves, is it uh, treating that with natural products in terms of herbs and that sort of thing? How does that part play out? So absolutely. And it's not just the body, it's obviously the mind as well. That's a big component. And we know that research backs that up these days anyway in terms of the impact of stress on everything from hormones to anxiety, depression, etc. So with Chinese medicine, what we look at is we look at using natural products such as herbs and many of those have become quite popular today with things like adaptogens, um, which some of your listeners might have heard of. And we what, what are they? Adaptogens <laughs> are specific herbs or foods that help your body to be able to adapt to times of stress and fatigue. Okay. So Chinese medicine kind of pioneered these, if you like, and now they're becoming quite popular in the food medicinal space. So we use in our arsenal um, a whole range of herbal medicine and Chinese diet therapy, which is actually really important in terms of nutritional therapy and, of course, acupuncture as well. Is Tai Chi a part of Chinese medicine? Tai Chi um, per se isn't. Qigong is probably more closely related, but Tai Chi is an extension of that. So it's really expanding on that mindfulness aspect and learning how to be present and focused and um, help with some of those daily daily stresses and translate that into good health and well-being. You've mentioned a, a few times that the Chinese medicine in China was um, there were particular elements of it that were targeted towards pregnant women and postpartum. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about the role of the pregnant woman in Chinese society and how even before you start to look at the individual, that culturally it's quite different to what we do in the West? Yes, it is. So, you know, there's there's a lot of differences in terms of how pregnancy and postpartum is viewed. So 
And Chinese culture is not the only one that actually does this. So traditionally, a lot of cultures have actually really respected the role of mothers and recognised the importance of supporting and nourishing a mum through pregnancy, but especially through postpartum as well, and that it really does take a village to raise a child. And it's important that those traditions and understandings are actually passed on and down to the mother so that they are in the best position to be able to support themselves and bond and care for their new baby. So these traditions, cultures, important life learnings, if you like, as something that are culturally embedded. And as I mentioned, it's not just in China and it seems to be something that's more a modern anomaly for us um, in the West here that we've forgotten many of those traditions. So, you know, often we're kind of lacking and we have a lack of support when a woman goes through one of the biggest transitions in her life in terms of identity shift, um, physical change, etc. And what does it look like in China? There's a period, isn't there? Where... There is a period and it's basically called sitting the month and it's or it's called the golden month. And this is the really the first 40 days postpartum, which is seen as a really important time to nourish and replenish and support a new mum. And not only are you replacing nutrients from pregnancy and childbirth because you lose blood during childbirth and in Chinese medicine, uh, we believe that you lose blood and qi, which is vital energy, and that this actually forms the basis for things like future health. It also forms the basis for breast milk to actually support your new baby and so it's very important during this special time that you get all those nutrients replenished and you get support through family friends um, nutrition sleep to actually put you in good stead for your motherhood journey ahead so is does it cross over with what we understand about nutrition um, in Australia, for example, after pregnancy, are women encouraged to eat lots of greens because they need to replenish their iron? Like, is it, are there? <laughs> yeah, so of... what we're finding is that there's modern correlations now, modern research is actually aligning a lot with Chinese medicine traditions. So the term postpartum depletion, which kind of came about four years, and this has been a an area of research for me probably for the last four years is that, you know, we now know that research is actually backing up a lot of this and we know that women postpartum are often low in key nutrients like zinc, selenium, iodine, iron, omega-3s. And these things actually can lead to increased incidence of postpartum depression and perinatal anxiety. And from a Chinese medicine point of view, they've understood this for many years and they've seen that if the new mum isn't replenished and nourished, it can lead to mood disturbance. So modern research is now um, reflecting ancient tradition, which is, which is interesting. What kind of foods do they recommend to replenish that or do they treat women postpartum with herbs? 
more than food? Both, actually. So traditional diet therapy has a long history of treating postpartum women and it's one of the areas that it really is beneficial. So the type of foods that are really important, especially in the early stages postpartum, are ones that actually support digestion because one of the things that is not working so well postpartum is your digestion (laughs) leading to all sorts of different symptoms such as constipation etc bloating gas but what happens is also you need to be able to have your digestion working properly to be able to absorb the nutrients that you need from food so eating warm nourishing foods like casseroles soups stews think you know those comfort foods are actually really important because they're easily digestible things that also support wound healing like proteins um, good or quality organic meats are really important for iron and also protein if you're vegetarian things like tofu beans lentils they all will support protein for for wound healing as well cooking with spices is also historically used and not just in chinese medicine but also in other medicines like ayurveda and things that you'll have in your pantry like cinnamon ginger cardamom they're all fantastic spices and what they actually do is research tells us they actually help to ease abdominal pain and they're an amenagogue which means they help the uterus contract back to pre-pregnancy state as well so food as medicine is actually really powerful in the postpartum period now that all sounds um, kind of delicious to me and very far away from that concoction I spoke about in the yep. introduction. Is there anything in uh, Chinese medicine about bitter medicines being a good thing? Because I seem to remember there were quite a few people having rather pungent concoctions. There are, there are. So each taste, if you like, is associated with with an organ. So tastes of food have properties in themselves so they all have different tastes which will have a different effect on the body so for example if something's bitter what it might be doing is working on in Chinese medicine what we call the liver channel and what that is is predominantly if you're stressed it will help your body to be able to adapt and cope with that so in the postpartum period we like warming sweet foods to support the digestive process. Right. Okay. I'll remember that. But there's so much in this. I think we could talk all afternoon, but I'll have to wrap up there. Georgina, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. That's Doctor of Chinese Medicine, Georgina Barrow, and there'll be links to the HQ website in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.